Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in John chapter 17. It reads, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give the eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Today here in John chapter 17, as we walk through this, we have Melody with us. And Melody, as you read through this chapter, what we call the high priestly prayer, what is it you'd like to draw out for us? Okay, so as I was reading through John 17, it is called the high priestly prayer. And I hadn't really thought, like I've read this chapter over and over in my life multiple times, and I've never really actually thought about why it was called the high priestly prayer. But interestingly enough, I'm also reading through Exodus right now in my just my daily Bible reading. And I'm actually just yesterday was reading through as Moses is up on the mountain and God is giving him the law and he's talking through what the role of the priest would be and consecrating the priest, setting them aside, purifying themselves so that they could do this job for the people of Israel. They had to make sacrifices on behalf of the Israelites so that they could maintain their relationship with God. They were in charge of taking care of the tent of meeting or the tabernacle, which later they were in charge of the temple. They were in charge of teaching the people. So they had all these jobs that they had to do. And when I look at the first high priest, Aaron, as Moses is up on the mountain of Mount Sinai, he's learning all the things that the 
priest would have to do. And while he's doing that, Aaron is down with the people and the people are getting impatient and worried and concerned and they decide they want to make a golden calf. And Aaron's like, sure, why not? And he makes a golden calf. And he just proves that the priests, as much as God wanted them to be set aside and holy, they were just people who were imperfect and given to the same sins that the rest of us are. And so when I compare that to Jesus in John 17 and what he's praying for and what he's praying about, I was reading through this section and there's like three parts to this whole chapter. Like the first few verses he's praying that God would be glorified in him and that he would be glorified. So like the first few verses, he's praying for glory. And then the second section, he's actually praying for his followers in verses 6 through 19. He's praying some of the specific requests that he makes for his people are that they would be kept from the evil one, that God would sanctify them by the truth, like set them apart with his own word. The last section, he's actually not just even praying for his current followers. He's actually praying for those who would believe. In verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's also praying for the people who would believe. And actually, this is the part that makes me love this chapter the most. I like how you framed this in the thought of the priestly duties of what Jesus is doing. And you said some like really key words in there about what the priests did in terms of maintaining the relationship between God and his people. So as you look in here at this chapter, what is it that Jesus is praying for that is maintaining that relationship between God's people and him? In chapter 17, when Jesus is praying for his people, he's praying for specific things. And all of those things are, those are what the priests were supposed to do on behalf of God's people in their role. The difference between the Old Testament and even the New Testament priests and Jesus was that Jesus did it perfectly. And that's why he's the ultimate high priest. And actually, just as an aside, before I go into those specific things, Like we've been studying Hebrews in ASM and we've kind of been studying towards the end of the book. But if you back up a few chapters leading up to chapter 11, where we started, you have several chapters in a row that like talk specifically about how Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice and the great high priest, because his death on the cross was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Everything that he did was done perfectly and sinlessly, which made him the ultimate high priest. So Then back up to John 17, and he's doing this prayer, the high priestly prayer. The things he's praying for, for his people, are the things that a priest was supposed to pray for. But again, Jesus did it perfectly. So some specific things that he was praying for in this chapter is he prayed for God to glorify him so that the son could glorify God. And it also talked about how he shared that glory with others. So The priest was kind of like a bridge between God and the people and between the people and God. Some other words that the Bible uses to describe them was a mediator or an intercessor. Basically, he prayed to God on behalf of the people, and he also shared God's messages and and God's truth with the people. In this chapter, I actually went through and counted through, and there are 12 times where John 17 talks about God giving something to Jesus, and then 
most of those things, Jesus turns around and gives those to the people. So you can see an example there of like how God is giving things to Jesus as his son. And then Jesus turns around and shares it with his followers. And so one of those things is the glory. He talks about sharing the glory with the people. God gave Jesus his name. He gave him his word. And both of those things, Jesus turns around and gives to the people. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So he's asking God to set his people apart with his word, with the truth. In verse 19, he says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So Jesus was sanctified. He was consecrated. That's kind of like fancy word for he was set apart. He was made holy by the truth. His goal was for his people to also be set apart with the truth or for the truth. And that would bring glory to God. And then in the very last section, it's my favorite section of this chapter. Um, I think I loved it even before I was really saved, to be honest, because I had read it before I was saved and I understood the value of this. But now that I am saved, when I think about the fact that Jesus was actually praying on behalf of the people who would believe in him in the future, and that means us, the future church. And you see in this passage that his followers were chosen back in, you know, before the foundation of the earth. Even then, at that point in time, Jesus was praying for those who would come later and follow him. And that includes us of the modern day Big C Church. And that's awesome. And I think even, you know, going back to this concept of what Jesus is currently doing now, Mm -hmm. sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf, he continues to pray on our behalf in the same way that he was doing here for these types of things, that we would understand that we are his children, that we would understand that he has revealed his glory, the glory from God to us, that we would see the word for what it truly is, that we would be able to participate in this unity of the believers and the love of God that is on display here. I have a question for you about this chapter. Because I've heard that you may have done your thesis on this chapter, so you might have some thoughts to share. I And I think I said it earlier, I think this chapter is super encouraging to believers today. But there's one verse in it that kind of pops out as being kind of different to me. It's verse 12. It says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled." So I'm wondering if you can just explain a little bit about why that verse is in here and what it means. Yeah, so it is true. This is, uh, you know, this is what I wrote my thesis on uh, for my THM. And it was in a time where I was dealing with some people who were looking for encouragement. And you're talking about this concept of encouragement. And so they were struggling with the fact of, hey, what's happened is I watch people walk away from the faith. And so remember, this falls in the middle of like four chapters that Jesus is really just focusing on his disciples. And they're going to, like the rest of the people who are looking back on this event, they're going to wonder, hey, what's the deal with Judas? What happened? And if Judas could be with Jesus for three years and not get what's going on and still seemingly fall away, how do I have any hope? to follow Jesus when I'm not there all the time. And so what I did is I studied through that. And as I looked through that and putting it into the context of the rest of the scriptures and the fulfillment and those different things, is when you look at the person of Judas, Judas never was a true believer. 
His faith is never displayed as genuine. He's always set apart from the rest of the group. But it's important that we understand the rest of the group really didn't say, hey, Jesus, stop pairing me up with Judas when I go out and do these things because he's not good at your ministry. Or he didn't say, hey, and Judas was not able to do anything because he was not a true believer. But we actually look at Judas. He has a special role in the disciples of taking care of the money. But we see that his heart is calloused and he wants other things from Jesus rather than what Jesus is truly offering. And so when you look at that, This should be an encouragement to believers who look back at Judas and others who may come up in the church and they see and they look and they look out and they see, hey, this person walks away from the faith. Genuinely, that's usually a person who never had faith to begin with. And so there are people who are prodigals who come back and do that. But Judas is an example of one who surrounds himself by the gospel, but is not changed by it. And it taught this principle to me as I studied through that, that proximity to the gospel without heart change is a very dangerous place to be because you start to callous yourself to the work of God and you're not open to seeing how he is trying to reveal himself to you. And so that should be an encouragement to these individuals who are possibly even experiencing persecution now at this time and watching those who are on the fringes of the faith say, hey, this is not worth it. I don't want to be there. I don't want to do these things. In the context of everything else that God is praying for and Jesus is praying for them here is the fact that they don't need to look at those who walk away from the faith and say, I'm in danger of this too. No, they're all kept in his hand, those whom he's called, those whom he's chosen, and those whom he will protect to the end. And so as you look at this chapter, Maybe that's not the question you had. That was the question I had that I wrote my whole thesis on. There's tons of other things in here. Melody, we've done a great job of you know trying to hit the high level of what's going on here. But as you look through this, if you have something else that you want to study in greater detail, whatever it is that you have here about this passage, study it with the people around you. Talk about God's word. Answer those questions so that you're growing in your love, that you're growing in your understanding of what God is revealing to you so that you're becoming more and more obedient each day. Know today you are loved. You're-